Spirits have been outperforming precious metals, gold and silver, like for the last, you know, 10 years, pretty much consistently, yeah. uh, because there's more demand for them. They have an intrinsic value, whereas, you know, gold has more of an extrinsic value. On this episode of Early Bird, Louis O'Connor, founder of Strategic Metals Invest. Louis joins the podcast today to talk about investing in rare earth metals, including a look at how the asset class is performing against other investments and why it's becoming more popular. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Louis, welcome to the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Stephen. Happy to be here. Well, thank you, too. We're going to talk about rare earth metals and why investors should look at this alternative investment class in 2023. But before we do that, Louie, in about 30 seconds or less, what should the audience know about you and your background? Okay, well, well, I'm, I'm in Europe. I mean, you can probably tell from the, from the accent. Uh, I'm coming to you from, I'm in, I'm in Ireland, but um, our business is Europe-based. The metals facility and the vault and stuff is in Frankfurt in Germany. But yeah, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm, it's an alternative asset class. I'm not just into alternative assets. I'm into all sort of traditional as well. Oh. But I think um, always on the lookout for something new. And, and this is relatively new, at least to North America, to your audience. I think it'll be a very new uh, interesting asset class to hear about. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit. What um, what how exactly would you define rare earth metals? Okay, good question. Because you know nowadays, you know, for example, I'll I'll tailor what I'm saying, Stephen, slightly to North America because I know your audience is in North America. But for example, over in the U.S., you'll hear people talk about technology metals, right, which are the metals that are in these very devices we're using, you know, in, in all in all modern technology. Um, you're also hearing a lot of people talk about uh, energy transition metals, which are the metals that are needed in electric cars, you know, the permanent magnets for electric cars, solar power, wind power. But they are all, in fact, rare earth metals. And the best way to describe it in a, in a simple way is the name of my company is Strategic Metals Invest. And strategic metals is an umbrella term for all of those, for, for rare earth metals, rare earth elements are like a powdered form. Uh -huh. uh, they also can come in liquid form. But essentially, they're critical to every nation's economic prosperity and, and also increasingly military capability. So we touch them, see them, feel them every day. Like, quick example... There's about 12 in your smartphone and gold is in your smartphone, silver, but there's another 10 rare earths there 
that people can can own as physical assets and, and profit from owning them. Mm. And when you say profit from owning them, can I ask what you mean by that? Well, um, much like, you know, it's the same paradigm as buying gold or silver. Mm -hmm. People buy gold or silver to store it as a store of wealth, um, as a hedge against inflation. Um, rare earths, uh, you know, if anybody, you know, does want more specific information, I, I can ha I'm happily supply it. But um, what I'm about to tell you, you know, I can back up with, you know, independent reports from Bloomberg and, uh, Kitco and, and places like that. But rare earths have been outperforming precious metals, gold and silver, like for the last, you know, 10 years, pretty much consistently, yeah. uh, because there's more demand for them. They have an intrinsic value, whereas, you know, gold has more of an extrinsic value. And um, that's not to say there's a guarantee that you'll profit because it's a speculation. I mean, you're buying these raw materials that are needed in, you know, technology, cars, medical devices, aviation, nuclear, you know, there's not an industry that they're really not in, but they're purely supply and demand driven. So you're, you know, you're, you're sort of, that's what you're hedging on. Makes sense. Um, you talked about how the price of uh, rare earth metals may have um, surpassed other metals over the past few years. Uh, this year in 2023, the stock market is starting to turn things around. It's starting to be positive for many investors, although last year, 2022, it was a pretty bad year for traditional equities and for the stock market, for many investors out there. Um, how have rare earth metals performed during that time compared to stocks? Okay, very well. In fact, um, like I'll give you first, the, let's say the decade so far. So from say sort of January, February 2020 to January, February 2003, if you had now... There's there's ten rare earths we offer, Stephen. Um, and let's we recommend our clients purchase. They diversify. They don't just buy one metal. And uh, now they can if they want. It's up to them. But we recommend they buy a, a diverse a spread, if you will, of them all. But if you'd invested three years ago in all ten, which means you're basically invested in all of these industries we just spoke about, uh, you'd be up on average thirty four. I give you the exact. It's thirty four point two five percent a year every year so you'd be up about uh you'd, you'd already be up sort of about 120 percent in the first three years of the decade mm. that's pretty good but compared to stocks i mean for the decade most stocks are up depending on the, on the class and whatever but most most equities are up during that time frame as well so what, what, why not just stay with traditional investments why look at rare earth metals yeah absolutely um I, I agree with that with that um, comment 100%. Um, you know, we have a saying here in Ireland about sort of horse racing. Is, they say this, they might have it over there in America too. Mm -hmm. There's horses for courses. You know, there's certain horses run well in certain conditions and horses. And, and um, so, you know, like, you know, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. uh, I think rare earths add... For example, let me let me say say re, use real estate as an example. I think rare earths are a great partnership in a portfolio with say real estate because real estate offers one thing rare earths doesn't, and rare earths offer one thing real estate doesn't, and one is high liquidity and the other is passive income. You know, so um, they're just additional diversification. They're not for everybody. I mean, not everybody you know, um, is turned on by them, if that's the right expression. But, you know, they're a valid 
genuine, you know, asset class that um, I, I think that you'll see them be, become more and more into the mainstream. Most people just aren't aware at this time um, that you can actually physically own them safely, securely and liquidate them, you know, when you've made some money. People just don't know about it. It's a very, it's only been available as an asset class since about 2010 okay. here in Europe. And at the moment, there's nobody, to my knowledge, in North America that offers what we offer. And that's that's why I'm speaking with you today. We, we, we have, in the last two years, gotten a lot of attention from the US. We've gotten quite a lot of clients. So we, you know, we, we know it's it's an asset class people will like over there as well. So I kind of want to get into that. I want to hear a little bit about what are the benefits, what are the advantages of rare earth metals? And also, how exactly do you, or why exactly do you think um, there, you've seen increased popularity in investors who are interested in this asset class? Okay, well, I think particularly in the U.S., um, rare earths have sort of moved up the, even the, on, on the political agenda, right? Um, there's two key things going on. The first one is worldwide now, not just in the U.S., we're going through this energy um, transformation. We're going, you know, we're moving towards lower uh, carbon economies, you know, um, you know, whether we agree with it or not, or, you know, uh, believe in climate change or not, is sort of irrelevant because it's happening where, you know, every car manufacturer in the world is going electric. Um, you know, Ford in the US um, just announced in the last six months, the largest single um, in, in investment in their history, like $11.4 billion in, in what they call mega campuses for electric cars, which are basically factories for electric cars. Um, so we're going there and the raw materials that are needed for that transition are rare earth metals. Um, probably the reason pe people wouldn't know about them so much is they haven't been needed as much as they, as they are now. Just to give you a quick, uh, uh, insight into why it's moving up the political agenda is, um, in the U.S., the recently announced uh, Inflation um, Reduction Act, um, there's some stipulations there about rare earths that the U.S. and Europe, I'm, 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 I know you're in the U.S., so I'm focusing a little bit on the U.S., but, but Europe is in the same boat. What most people in the U.S. wouldn't know, Stephen, is that in the 1980s, the U.S. was the dominant market leader in rare earths. The U.S. was producing... 60% of the world's rare earths in Mountain Pass in California, which still exists today. They still produce rare earths there. Oh. Now, something very interesting happened in the late 80s. You can Google this even. The premier of China at the time, Deng Xiaoping, made a very shrewd statement. He was standing on a mine for rare earths in China, and he said, the Middle East has oil, and China has rare earths. Oh. Now, what happened then was technology exploded. And what really we know now is that China understood before Europe, before the US, that rare earths would become the backbone of manufacturing in the 21st century. Yeah. So they decided to get a head start. And what's happened since then is China's now the completely dominant market leader in rare earths. 90% of the world's rare earths are processed in China. Um, the Chinese moved legitimately sort of moved all the separation and the refining to China. So even that one facility in the U.S. still now, they have to send their raw materials to China to be refined. Mm -hmm. So Europe and the U.S. have just woken up that 
you know, these are now critical to, you know, technology, um, uh, aviation, nuclear reactors, electric cars, solar power. They're basically critical to pro- economic prosperity. Yet, Europe and the US is dependent on China. So I think that's why um, we're getting more interest from there as people are, you know, realizing um, that, you know, production needs to increase, demand is increasing, yet supply is limited and subject to disruption by China. That's why we've seen some some of the prices go up as well. Good point. When we return, we'll hear from Louis about disadvantages with this asset class and Louis's favorite rare earth metal in 2023. But first, let me tell you or you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, uh, Louis, today we're talking about rare earth metals, why people should invest in them, and it makes sense given all the advantages. I want to talk about some of the drawbacks. What are some of the disadvantages of investing in rare earth metals? Okay, well, look, they're completely um, driven and, you know, supply and demand is in charge, Stephen. So, you know, what that means is neither I know or anybody can predict what's happening in the future, right? So with that in mind, the potential sort of there's pros and cons, obviously the cons could be, let's say, um, uh, indium. Indium is a, you couldn't swipe your phone without indium. So you, you can imagine the amount of billions of smartphones are being made in the in the next five or 10 years. So possibly somebody could come up with a better technology than indium. And so demand for that particular metal could drop off. So um, other, you know, other potential, um, you know, pitfalls, I suppose, could be China has 50% of the world's reserves. Um, most of the time, like for example, recently we saw some prices drop last month and what happened was China had been stockpiling um, for themselves and they stopped um, because they just couldn't keep up with their own sort of, uh, uh, in, 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 they, they've sort of issues with electricity and water infrastructure in the area where they're trying to sort of uh, uh, build, build more um, and because they stopped stockpiling, it was a bit more available. So prices sort of dropped a little bit um, for a couple of weeks, you know. So just normal stuff that's supply and demand. I mean, in terms of safety, security, I mean, we're in. If you if you buy metals from us, we're in business since 1999, and we're a, we're a bona fide industry supplier. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably the most important thing about us, Stephen. Is um, you know, I'm not a sales and marketing guy in Ireland with this idea that I'll buy metals for you in China and we'll hopefully one day sell them to Apple or something. It's not that at all. We're a bona fide industry supplier and our core business is buying from producers in China and then reselling to industry buyers. You could say, 
I'm going to borrow a term from America now. You could say the investment side is our side hustle. Now, uh, it's um, that's too small a word for it. It's more than that. But the point I'm trying to make to you is if it's only safe to do this business if you're buying from an industry supplier mm-hmm. because they're the only ones that can guarantee the authenticity of the materials. And secondly, they're the only one that can liquidate them for you as well because the only end buyer for these metals are industry buyers as yeah. well. Does well, that make sense? It does. It does. It does just also seem to me that one of the drawbacks of this asset class is liquidity as well as volatility. These seem like issues with with this particular asset class and i know you're talking about owning the actual you know rare earth metal and making sure that you give it to investors but there are other options out there if you really want exposure to this particular asset class you could for example invest in an exchange traded fund or etf um, that specializes in rare earth metals and there are several uh reputable uh etfs online as well so why not just go to an ETF instead of actually owning the commodity. Sure. I mean, do that, you know, um, absolutely. If that's, you know, again, I, I'm not, I don't say one is better or one should do this or this, do that. Everybody, you know, has to sort of gather their own information and, and make, um, make a decision that works for them. I mean, you can also do both. Um, um, I'd say, you know, a good reason maybe to physically own them is one, it can offer you some geographic diversification. You own a hard asset in a, in a different jurisdiction. I mean, if, you know, um, if all my assets say, for example, are in one currency and in one country, even though I might be in 10 different asset classes, I don't have any sort of international diversification there. So that's always, you know, that's always a, a help. Um, two, they're highly, highly liquid. They're extremely liquid if you're buying from an industry supplier like ourselves. I mean, we can uh, the purchase only takes three to four working days, and we can liquidate them as well in three to four working days. Now, what might happen, Stephen, that's happened before, there's a precedent here, right? Um, China restricted rare earths at one point in 2010 um, for a few months. And we saw 5x and 10x increases. If China decides to weaponize rare earths again, we would, you know, investors could be looking at, you know, you know, very, very, very good increases in price, you know. Or another option is if China simply um, restricts the export quotas because they want, they need them for themselves. I mean, China has big plans for electric cars, for solar, for wind. A lot of people might not know this, but less than half of China is on the grid. I mean, they, they're they pulling hundreds of millions of people out of poverty, but they have a long, long way to go. So primarily China's, you know, reserves are for themselves. But if people do a little bit of research, they'll see what I'm saying is 100% true, which is the U.S. and Europe at the moment stand in line to, 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 to get what a China will give them after they've satisfied their own domestic quotas. This is a real geopolitical strategy of China's that, you know, discerning investors when they get armed with the right information can yeah. see clearly, wow, I could actually sort of hack China's geopolitical strategy here by owning these hard assets. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Louis, uh, thank you so much for explaining some of those broader macro trends we're seeing in the industry. If you, if you could real quick, um, there, I know there are several rare earth metals out there 
that your company is focused on. But if you could say, here's one rare earth metal that's probably going to do the best or perform the yeah. best in price in 2023, what, what do you think that will end up being? Uh, it's a good question, Stephen. Um, and I can't, you can't hold me to this because, um, <laughs> as you know, I cannot tell the future. And if I said I could, I, I you know, yeah. you should not, don't air this um, uh, podcast. But I, my, you know, I'm still adding to my portfolio and my, I don't have a favorite, but I do have some favorites. And those are the energy transition metals, which mm-hmm. are neodymium, dysprosium, uh, perseodymium and terbium yeah. so these those four are critical to electric mobility so you, you know electric cars wind and solar and just to give you an idea i can only give you the numbers for europe and it's probably not much different than in the us but yeah. it's already estimated that between now and 2030 in europe we're going to consume between seven and 26 times more of these raw materials than we currently are. So the, the increase uh, in demand and usage is just phenomenal. And actually, the truth of it is, Stephen, there's not enough of these rare earths available. Mm. And this might sound like an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. I've heard this from some of the experts, is that some of the car manufacturers you know, that we know and love you know, in Europe and the US probably might not be around in about 10 years. Simply one or two might not make it because they won't be able to source these raw materials. Oh, wow. Tesla, Ford, Volkswagen, they all need them, but there's just not enough. Oh, wow. So anyway, to, to give you, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say one, but I would say the, 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 the three or four energy, energy transition yeah. methods. It makes sense given the state of things right now. that Those would be favorable for this particular time period. Um, Louis, thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast and discussing rare earth metal investing. Before we wrap up the uh, show, I just have one final question, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. That question for you, Louis, is uh, if you could be guaranteed one thing in life, what would it be? And you can't say money. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. Why is that? Well, I think when you when you have peace of mind, you're if you're at peace with yourself, you're at peace with all around you. You know, all your family, friends, neighbors, um, the world and universe in general. I think that's what you know. Ultimately, I think that I, I, I yeah, I think yeah. I suppose, I, I'm, I don't know if I can say any more than that, but mm-hmm. um, look, I don't know. Do I have peace of mind? Yeah, most of the time. Um, But um, would I like it permanently? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again to Louis O'Connor for sharing your insights on rare earth metals. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.